Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you. Good to see you, right? Isn't it great to see the rain? Man, it's like refreshing. So refreshing. Hey, uh, man, what a great time in worship, right? I don't know if you're, if I, I hope you were here. Man, sweet. Both services. The Holy Spirit's just been just all morning. Of course, His presence was already here before we arrived, but I told the first service, I said the reason we were able to experience Him in such a live and real way is because we came expectant as well. This 21 days of prayer that we're in is one that if, you, if you're not doing that, please text the number and, and if they'll show it in just a minute, text the number, wrong one, 21 days of prayer, there we go, 21 days of prayer, text that one word to 94,000 and at 6 a.m. Ashley's up and she's sitting there texting, texting uh, the devotional to you, but we've been talking about discussing, sifting through uh, conversation about the Holy Spirit, which is accompanying this message series, but as, in, as we're praying as well, as the prayers prompt us at the end, what's happening is we're honoring the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said it's very important. Jesus could do no works in his hometown because they didn't honor him. There's honor. There's a, there's a currency in the kingdom of God about honor, and with honor, that is the currency, and so as we apply that, then something supernatural just starts to happen. And so that's what we're experiencing when we come in with expectation and having had honored the Holy Spirit. Here's a word that you may not, it's kind of a church word. Uh, he, he makes himself, he manifests himself. So he makes himself known. That's all that, that word means. It's not a scary word. But that way we get to experience him. What happens is you start to feel different. Well, I'd feel a little bit different than I did when I came in here. You start to maybe, maybe uh, hear Something that you don't know, know that you're hearing, uh, you haven't heard him before, you don't realize you're hearing him, or things start to change or feel a little bit differently inside, um, there's a little bit different experience. So what you're experiencing is the presence of, of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not here. God the Father is not here. He, Jesus said it, it's imperative. It's necessary that I go so I can send the Holy Spirit for you, and that, who, that is who we experience here on earth is the Holy Spirit. And so we can, you can track that in, in God's word, and it's important for you to know that as well. And there's, a, there's a concept that I asked the first service to study, and it's the four soils. And I want you to look into God's word and, and look for the four soils and then begin to study that and then examine where you are in, in your trek and your word and your journey with God according to those four soils as well. And I'm going to, we, we, we started our leadership, a Thrive Leadership School this past Tuesday, 21 leaders showed up. It was powerful, powerful. Oh, yeah. And so that, that's exciting to me. And so we're gonna, I'm going to explain some of the four soils to them this Tuesday, I mean, Monday night. It's typically Tuesdays. But the importance, the importance of that, and I want to ask you to pray over the leaders that are in this Thrive Leadership School because it's important that they grow and that they be strengthened because the more that leaders we have in the body of Christ, the stronger the body of Christ gets. And so what happens is there's a greater infrastructure for the presence of God to do a work to affect the outside world, the lost world and the hurting world because we've all been there. We ought to have a little empathy and compassion and desire for the outside world to experience God. And he, th that happens through the inner working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of every one of the saints, the believers in Christ. And so the more trained, developed, equipped believers and leaders that we have, the stronger the body of Christ will be. And the reason it's not just about Thrive Community Church, it's about the Big Seed Church, but it, it creates a safer community for the people here in Henderson County as well. 
Uh, there's a lot to that, but I'm just, I'm just telling you. And so if you would just pr- keep prayer over these leaders that they see this through for the next two years. It's a two-year program. And I want to I remind you about First Wednesday. It's something we do on the first Wednesday of every month. It's geared towards our GO team, but if you've been on the outskirts kind of wondering, should I join the GO team? Uh, that, that's our serve team. That, that's a volunteer base, you may think it as, but it's a serve team. And, and where do we get GO team? It's, Jesus said to go and make disciples. So we're just ready to go. Whatever it is, okay, we'll do it. I'm in. Sure, that, that, that's who I am. Because there's a point where serving just becomes who you are because that's who we are in Christ. So uh, that's going to be the first Wednesday of September. I really strongly, I can't advocate, can't make you be here, but I want to make you be here, the the GO team, because it's important that you get the communications that we're going to be providing at these first Wednesdays. We're shifting it up from how it used to be, but we're going to... we're going to give a lot about how, where we're going, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and that's going to happen every month, and so you get to see behind the scenes. If you think about it this way, we're a fast-growing organism, and sometimes when you're on the outskirts, you're, you feel like a tetherball connected to a pole, and you're like, where are we going? How is this working out? And it's very, so it's very important. So here's your invite. We want to invite you to first Wednesday in September. Come on and join us so you can find out. And then a week after that, Tribes, Thrive Tribes start. Find a tribe, find your herd, find your people, get connected, stay plugged in, commit to a group of people, and watch your life change as well. And I, lastly, I want to remind you guys, our Thrives, I know school is in now, and we're students, our Thrive students started this past Wednesday, and it was phenomenal, by the way. They had a great time, great time. So all students of all ages, from, from I think we took in from 11 or 12 up to about 20 we want you here on Wednesday at 6 p.m., food provided, 6 to 7.30, and we're out. We're having a big time, and it's not boring, let me tell you that. And so, uh, anyway, here's this. I want to get you into the, into the message series. The message series is, who is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We've been answering this question for about six weeks now. This is week seven. We've answered some really appropriate questions. And some of the questions that you've had, y'all sent them in early or connect cards, we've been silently but yet very, I mean, in, intentionally answering your questions embedded in the midst of the messages themselves. And so if you haven't heard your question, you might go back and listen to the series on you, uh, YouTube or Facebook, social media, and you can hear these again. But a lot of questions were based on around what is the fruit of the Spirit? What, is the, what, is the, what about the fruit of the Spirit? How does that work? We talked about gifts. We talked about baptism. But what is what about the fruit of the Spirit? And so because there's been so many questions, we thought, well, it needs its own direct message. And so how does God, what we need to know is how does God, what does God's Word say fully about this subject? Yes, you want to do in any subject in God's Word, you want to know from beginning to end what does God's Word say about it. And how do I show, the question is, how do I show this to others and not allow the issues of life to affect me? So when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. When we think about that, that's, that's, what, that's what God is asking us and, and really mandating us to exhibit to the world. But we understand that, that it is fruit. But what determines the ability and quality of this fruit is the root. And so we need to understand and discover the Bible says what the Bible says about root causes or root issues that will help us with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Scripture says in Galatians 5, uh, it finishes this 
statement, this scripture with, against such things there is no law. What it's saying is, whenever we live by the law, we're very rigid and very harsh and very strong. And, and, and even for ourselves, we try to focus so much on the fruit and we try to produce it ourselves and we try to be it. What happens is we put ourselves under the law because, it, it, because it's so rigid and hard to uphold in and of ourselves. That's what the law came to prove, that we can't uphold it. We snap. Like we break, and at some point we lose it because we're trying to focus on the fruit. In reality, with God, it's we focus on the root. We focus on the one who actually produces the fruit. And when in the midst of our difficult situations, our hard times, our struggles, our, stri- our trials, instead of trying to produce a fruit, we focus on God, the only one that is truly producing fruit. In the tension, it's really good. In the tension, he develops something in our souls, in our lives, and changes our mindset. And we're gonna, I'm going to build on that. So in other words, what is the root cause of the success or failures in areas of my life? Like I have great successes in areas of my life, and they provide a great abundance of blessings. But I also have areas of my life where I'm not as successful as I would like to be, and I'm not producing as much or as good of fruit as I was like, at least not, I would like to, at least not yet. And so I want to see good fruit, so when I pray about it, God takes me to the root issue to help me see this root is damaged, and therefore, because this root is damaged, it's producing a damaged, a damaged fruit. Are you with me? So it's the root that actually causes the fruit. So everything that you see on the edges of the trees are affected by what the root is under the ground, under the soil. Read this in John 15, 8. It says, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. And so the, the context is that we bear much fruit so that God the Father is glorified, and this will prove We're his disciples, but it's bearing fruit. Well, how do we bear fruit? It's fruit of the Holy Spirit as well, remember? So I know it brings glory to God when I bear God's fruit. It glorifies him. But I I think we focus more on that produce than him. And so what do we do? So what's the root cause of blessings? What's the root cause of sins and its hangups? What's the, bond, what's the root cause of bondage in our lives? Let me take it to another. What's the root cause of losing jobs? We go from job to job to job. What's the root, what root cause of continual conflict in areas of my life? What's the root cause of continual anxiety, depression, worry? What's the root cause of the fear? Instead of always focusing on other people because it's our tendency to blame so-and-so or such-and-such or this place or them, it may be time that we look inwardly. What's the root cause of bad relationships, friendships, dating, marriage? What's the church? What's the root cause? What's, people go from bad relationships to worse relationships, from bad to bad to bad in areas of life. Why? What's the root cause of bad financial struggles over and over? I get up, I get down. I get up, I get down. I never can just, or I just stay down. That's not God's perfect will for your life. So what's the root cause of that? 
What's the root cause of your life issues no matter what the area of life? And other people are not the issue. They are not the cause. They are not the answer. Matthew 7, 17 through 18 says, Even so, every good tree or root. Now, I am ad- emphasizing root because it is what is in the root, the soil, that provides the nutrients and what is absorbed through the roots that dictates the quality of the tree and thus the fruit. Okay, so I put the root here. But in a moment, you're going to see where it emphasizes where the Bible actually puts the root in, and I'm not doing that. I'll show you. Every good, root, every good tree root bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 18. Oh, sorry. There it was in. So this reminds me that if I have a good root in my life, then I'm going to have good fruit in that area of my life. But if I have a bad root in my life, I'm going to produce a bad fruit in my life as well. So I have to think about how to tear out the bad roots and how to nourish the good roots. I need to remove the bad roots so that they don't affect the fruit of my life and what I'm producing and how I'm living and what I'm projecting and how I'm, how I'm the example that I'm setting, et cetera, the successes in areas of my life. I got I to gotta pull out the bad roots, but I've got to nourish the good ones so that they get stronger and have greater influence and thus more success. Uh, Matthew 12:33 says this, either make the tree the root, good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Do you know that you're known by your fruit? Like, you're known like, oh man, so-and-so, they're so good, such a great person, this, that, and that, and this, and the other. But, now they're talking about the good roots that are providing the good fruits. And then all of a sudden, but there's this damaged root that provides this damaged fruit. You know what I'm saying? You, you got people in your head like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Or you maybe have yourself in your head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that one, Pastor Nathan. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus, and number, point number one is this, Jesus is the vine. And again, I'm bringing about root. It's important you know that he is the vine. He is the root I'm going to show you in a minute. A tree or a vine is only as healthy as the root that applies it. It's the same with the fruit. The fruit is only as healthy. The quality of it is only as great as the quality of the root that is providing the nutrients to the fruit. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want you to emphasize nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. I'm going to give you a couple of three messianic uh, prophecies that are in the Old Testament that speak to Jesus, the Messiah. They're messianic, speaking about the Messiah to come. Uh, in Isaiah 11, it says, there, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of, out of his roots. Now, this is scripture saying Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus as the root, okay? Uh, Isaiah 11:10. and in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, Jesse was King David's father, a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him. By the way, we're all Gentiles, unless you're of Jewish uh, heritage. We're Gentiles. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. And let me tell you, it will be. Isaiah 53, 2. 
For, we, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. Listen, this is this still talking about Jesus, the root. So we have to examine the root so that we can see the fruit. Revelations 5, 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll. This is in the New Testament. This is the last book of the New Testament, Revelation has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Revelation twenty two sixteen. Here's how we know he's talking about Jesus even more so. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the root of David because Jesus is God. And David came from his lineage. Obviously, he was a man. He was a human. But later, Jesus would come from the genealogical root, the ancestral line, the lineage of David. So he's the root. David couldn't exist without me. And then Jesus is also the offspring or the fruit. I have two fruits. (laughs) My wife and I made them. (laughs) They're my offspring. (laughs) They get a little fruity. They get a little sour sometimes, and they get a little tart. (laughs) but that's my offspring. Jesus is the root and the fruit. He's the root and the offspring. He is the the alpha and the omega. He is the, the author and the finisher. He is the beginning and the end. He is. Jesus revealed to us, was revealed to us as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit to exemplify what life on earth empowered by the Holy Spirit would look. He, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to exemplify what l- glorifying the Father on earth would look like. And that's what we're here to do is to glorify the Father by bearing much fruit. Okay, this would also mean that he is the fruit. Like the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God. Now, Joey in week one was explained that the bit of the Trinity will know more in heaven, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. Different functions. God the Father is to be a father to all of humanity. God the Son is to exemplify what life on earth should look like, being empowered by way of the Holy Spirit and God the, in direction under God the Father. The Holy Spirit's function is to speak, commune with us, to lead us and guide us into all truth, to comfort us, to counsel us, to be an advocate for us, to to help us communicate with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. These are the functions. So there is no division between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus, God Jesus, is the root and the fruit Jesus said, it's important that I go so I can send the one, the advocate, the friend, our counselor, our helper. This is the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but Jesus is the root. But never forget that he's also this fruit that we're talking about. But he sent it, to, he sent the Holy Spirit to come. Let me, let me, let me give you what I'm talking about right here, because I love math. And I do math problems in my head. It's, I, I, love, I hated word problems. I remember being in elementary school, and I couldn't stand word problems. I remember going to my dad and saying, I can't understand it. I'm so frustrated. I want to quit. Can't drop out of elementary school, son. 
finally I got it. <laughs> finally I got it. Let me show you a video that I come across. And this is just going to give you the, the madness and how weird I am. So this is China, the way China does math and Japan does math. And so China's just breaking it down. Japan has threw me a whole nother loop of something I've never seen before. But I loved it. And I'm sitting here, it's like this, like this stuff excites me. And I, like, I might be weird, but I, I, it excites me. And they're going to pause right here. But the way they did this, 31 times 12, he took the three, made three lines here, offset, made a line here, took the 12, made a line here and, and two lines there, and multiplied the three lines times the one line to get the three, multiplied the three lines times the two lines to get the six, multiplied multiply the one line times the one line to get the one, multiplied the two times the one line to get the two, and then went across, added the two middle ones, 376 plus one is seven, 372. Like, that stuff excites me. I, I start doing math problems in my head. I told my wife last week, I've got about seven different ideas like plates spinning on my mind. And she said, just let me know so I can get prepared for what's coming. This is how I think. But it's also the way I read the word of God and I start to see from Genesis to Revelation how he's pointing out the various truths that's one thread and has no conflict to it so I can better understand and interpret God's word. This is fun to me. I get it, I'm weird. And I love extracting the root words out of Greek and in the, in the Hebrews and the Aramaic, the original language. Let me give you some examples, okay? I'm going to make this really easy. Cookies on the bottom shelf now. Wash all that away that I just showed you. Everybody's going to get to eat now. So the word discourage, the root word of it is courage, right? And so let me give an example. When you dis, you take something out. Discourage is to take something out. So if you discourage your spouse or you discourage your kids, it's probably not going to be good for your relationships. Agreed? However, encourage, to put in, encourage means to put in courage to your, your spouse or your kids or to others. Listen, all of, the, all of the gifts of the Spirit, as we spoke about, that come from the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all of these gifts are purposed to encourage the body of Christ. That's why there's so much tension, division, and chaos, and disorder, dysfunction, and resistance to the gifts of the Spirit because they are meant, Satan can't stand, that they encourage the body of Christ so that it gets built up. Oh, which that only comes from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's just a Starbucks, guys. It's not, not Bud Light. It's not Corona. It's not a Coronita. It's all good. Nothing to hide here. <laughs> you won't do that again, will you? <laughs> Jesus said in John 5, without me, here, I'm going to bring it back around. I'm gonna, without me, you can do no thing. Now you're like, well, I can do some things. No, it's nothing. Because it has no, without Jesus, it has no eternal value. So you are cycling and spinning your wheels, doing something that has no longevity, no eternal value, and no personal value. But on the abstract in Philippians, Paul, the apostle Paul, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without Christ, you can do no things. With Christ, you can do all things. And that scripture is actually talking about this context of bearing up during difficult times. Jesus says, 
He is the vine. This literally means a fruit-producing vine as opposed to a jungle vine. Jesus is the vine, and it's, and it's the vine that produces the fruit. Track with me. He says the, the branches bear the fruit, and his father prunes the branches that bear fruit. We're the branches. We just bear fruit. You don't prune a jungle vine or, you, or, you, or what, what, you may, what may know, what you may know as a thorn vine, rather. You know, those thorn vines that, that they're, they're, we have them. Like, you ha- I have them on my property. They're long and they have these thorns. And when I was growing up, let me just give you this, maybe help you with this example. I love developing. I love building. I love, I lo- I love building people. I love you know, developing property, building houses, whatever it is. I just love it. Like, it's inside of me. I can't stop the ideas. I can see something in its natural state, and I can see it again in its finished state. It's just the weirdness inside of me. But I used to, I think I, I got this when I grew up in that age where my parents wouldn't know where I was. They go to work. I'm gone on my bike or my skateboard or just walking, and I'm plowing trails through the woods and my, around my neighborhood. And I, as long as I was back before that light, that night light on the street came on, I'm good. I'm not in trouble. But if my mama had to yell, Nathan, anywhere, and I could hear from the neighborhood, oh, I'm in trouble. But I would, ride, I would, I would navigate you know those little laser beams that they put in like art, art galleries or whatever that you see on TV and it's got these red lights and the guys are trying to navigate through that? Like I used to do that with vines, so I know how to get it. But every once in a while you wear a loose shirt or something and all of a sudden you get hung up in it, right? And wait a minute, it's those wait a minute vines. You're, you're walking through and you're trying to navigate through and they wait a minute. Now you got to figure out how to, how to matrix your way into getting that vine off of you without getting stuck, Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Jesus said, I'm the vine that produces fruit in your life. I'm not the wild vine that when you're trying to get somewhere in your life, it will grab you and hang you up and say, wait a minute. You got some vines in your life, and you're just trying to break out of a cycle, an old way of thinking, an old mentality, an old, old thing. You're trying to rise up to something you know God is leading you, calling you, asking you to do, and all of a sudden, wait a minute. Holding you back, keeping you settled into your old self. Second thing we need to know John, in John 15 is we are the branches. We are the branches. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Galatians 5, and 23 again says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. This is also translated as patience, but long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law. If I'm walking in this, I'm walking under grace. I'm walking in the truth. I'm walking in in freedom. There is no, no law. Jesus says the branch without him cannot bear fruit. We think it means produce, but that's not what it means. The vine produces the fruit. The branches bear or long suffer or handle or display or carry the fruit that the vine is producing. We bear no, we don't, we don't produce any fruit. We bear the fruit of the root. You hearing me? He is saying, I am the one who produces the fruit in your life, but if you don't abide in me, you can't display it. 
We, we bear or carry to display it to the world. We are to, to display love so a lost and hurting world can understand what love looks like, what joy looks like, but what being able to have peace and long-suffering looks like, what being gentle and good and, pa- and patient and faithful in all things and having self-control looks like. We display this so that people can eat the fruit. When they come into contact with us because we've been long-suffering, we've been committed to the things that we say we're going to do, and we didn't give up when it got hard, we realized, oh, I didn't know I signed up for this, but I'm good because I'm long-suffering because of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let it bear fruit on me because he's the one producing it, and I'm going to carry it. So when we come in contact with the outside world, they can taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more it builds up inside of me, the more, the more the tension, the stress starts to do a work inside of me. It strengthens me for the ability to bear much fruit. But the key to bearing fruit is to abide. He says, we can't bear fruit unless we abide in him. The definition of abide is to stay for in a one place, in one place for a long period of time. The connotation of this is to stay through struggle. When you go to wine vineyards in South Texas or, or California or over in Italy, you, you go through and the vine, the, the vine dressers, the vineyard owners, they'll tell you that the, the grapes, the wine that the grapes produce from the grape vines is a sweeter, a better wine when it's endured stress. When it's made it through stressful seasons, it produces a sweeter wine on the inside, on the, on the backside. Think about this. The people who really bear good fruit are the people who stay in a committed relationship with Christ through a struggle. It doesn't, it's not when it gets hard, they flee. They stay committed in the midst of a difficulty. Not the people who go in and go out. Not the people who serve God when it's easy, but they stop serving God when it gets a little trying. It's long-suffering. It's growing with the fruit of the Spirit being produced by the vine which I'm abiding under so that me as a branch can handle the tension because I've become strengthened under the stress. And all of a sudden, it starts to work out something inside of me when I want to respond like this because I'm focusing on the good root that's inside of me, and that is Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is bearing up. It's welling up, and, it's bear- and I'm carrying it so that I can display it to a lost and hurting world. And this applies to other situations as well. If you're a believer and you're married, do you stay through the struggle? If you are a believer, do you stay through the bad times? Do you still tithe when it looks like you're not going to be able to financially make it if you do the math at the beginning of the month for the end of the month? Do you still stay? Do you long suffer to watch the fruit of what God can do in your life actually produce? We are in 21 days of prayer. Are you staying in the devotion time and praying with us? Are you, are you staying the 21 days because there's something about that 21 days that just changes a mindset? It changes a heart attitude. And let me just tell you, it also brings to the top the damaged roots. 
the tension, the stresses of the situation in which you situations which you commit to bring the stress, bring bring the revelation of the damaged roots, which will also show you, oh, this is why I produce these fruits in these scenarios. It's time to take note of that damaged root so that you can pull it out with the work of the Holy Spirit and then you can, manure, you can nourish the good roots so that they multiply and spread so that you can bear good fruit. Unhealthy roots will cause you to flee or quit when the struggles start to get real. We will find a thousand reasons to validate our fleeing not realizing that God is using this very struggle to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, to cause it to produce so that you as a branch can carry the weight, can bury the weight of what's being produced by the vine through the roots. It's the commitment to buy. It's called, it's the pressure test of this provides the staying power. There's something about this staying power that prepares us to carry the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's the commitment to, to abide and an unwillingness to run that causes a healthy tension inside of us that both reveals damaged roots and, and it develops capacity for God's fruit in it. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to assist us with these damaged roots, we got to get them out. The staying power of abiding during the struggle causes us to, to undergo and understand and to know it's known as the stress induction or, or acceleration. You notice how some people just grow really quickly in their, in their walk with Christ. They have staying power. There's, there's, there's literally with plant life and, and biology, it, with vines, you can put it under stress and it actually produces the fruit that it needs to produce faster. It's induction. It's the stress that, but if it sustains, if it lives through the stress, hear me tell you this, if you apply God's word in your most stressful times, he will produce good fruit so that you can bear up. No more cycles of life, no more continual brokenness, no more ups and downs. It's a trajectory. Yeah, it's going to get hard. Thank God for the hard times because they are causing me to be able to handle the stress, the tension, and the, and the good fruit that's coming after this thing. The key to this is, however, is abiding in God's word. Handling it his way. Oh, gosh, here's what I want to do, but what does God's word say about it? Because I've got to take out this dead root that's causing me to continually live out this way. And i got to find a word from God. Because let me tell you, for every situation in your life, he has a word, a scripture, a verse. And it is living and action, active. It is powerful. And it can take dominion over your situation. And you can plug that right into that situation where I want to do this, but God's word says this. So I'm going to practice some bearing up. I'm going to do a little long suffering. Number three, the father is the vine dresser. The father is the vine dresser. John 15, 1 says, I'm the true vine, this is Jesus, and my father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the owner of the vineyard. Isaiah 5 is the beginning of a story, and if anybody ever listened to Paul Harvey, Matthew 20, 21 is the rest of the story. And so Isaiah, again, is in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a prophet 
speaking messianic scriptures, prophesying about the Messiah to come. And Jesus, in the New Testament, here in Matthew 21, I'm going to read it to you as well in Luke and Mark. In just a moment is the rest of the story. Notice the comparison. Isaiah 5, 1 and 7. Now let me sing to my beloved, my well-beloved, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard, and on a very fruitful hill, he dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard, what I was trying to produce and what actually came about, what more could, I, could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard I will take away its hedge. By the way, did you know you have a hedge of protection around you? Like you have a hedge. There's some things because you are in Christ, there are things that, that would have affected you before but no longer affect you. There's things that come your way that he just knocks off and blocks off and stiff arms away from you and you don't even realize it. But there's also some broken, damaged roots that are in your life. And because of the brokenness there and the fruit that you're producing from the brokenness and the damage in those roots... There's some hedge, some parts of that hedge that just come down. And that's why the attacks of the enemy are coming your way because he is trying to, if you'll lean in and speak with him and have some intimacy with him, he'll let you know where the root of the fruit issue is so he can begin to work it out and nourish it out. This is the inner working of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said he would come to do if we'll so allow him. And he'll help remove that root and it will help nourish those good roots. And all of a sudden, that hedge gets stronger and nothing will bother you. Going from soil one, soil two, soil three, soil four. You're going to have to study that on your own. I don't have time for it today. Job, Satan went to God and was talking about, talking about wanting, wanting a little challenge here. Just to put it lightly and fun. Job, God said, well, have you considered my, my servant Job? And Satan said, well, I can't touch him. You've got a hedge around him. And God said, okay, well, let me give you a chance. He lifted the hedge from around Job, and Satan touched Job's life. Some bad things happened. But Job had staying power. Through long suffering and continuing, continuing to serve God, good fruit came out of his life. He was able to bear an even greater life after that. There's a hedge around you. I will lay, verse 6, I will lay it waste. This is the Isaiah the prophesying about the Messiah coming. But the, the people, the Jews, the Israelites did not receive the Messiah. And because of this, he says, I will lay it to waste. It will, shall not be pruned. Remember, the Father doesn't prune something that doesn't bear fruit. So it won't be pruned or dug. But there shall come up briars and thorns. Let me just tell you, in Scripture, that's represented of demonic spirits. That struggles, that's the trials, that's the, the, the strongholds, that's the problems, the hang-ups. Do you know that the hang-ups in your life are not God's will? He has so much better for you. It doesn't have to continue to, to look like it does. There is more. 
But we can't see it or hear it because we have these roots in our lives that are hindering us to seeing and experiencing the good fruit that God actually has for us. He says, he says oh, it won't come up and it's going to come up briars and thorns instead. I will also command the clouds that they, they rain, no rain on it. Well, we know what that's been feeling like, right? Praise God for the rain yesterday and right now. He's like, he's like guys, this is not for you. Like, you're not, I'm going to rain on you. I'm going to give you a little rain. But, but he said, verse 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Listen, he's talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to the Israel nation. He's prophesying these things that will come, and he's trying to warn them. These are warnings. He's saying, hey, I'm warning you. I'm telling you, this is going to happen. And they understand parables. This was a parable. They understand stories. They talk this language. They were very picturesque. The language of Hebrew is very picturesque in its nature. But also remember, because of the hardness of the hearts of the Jewish people, you and I, the Gentiles, the wild grapevines, were grafted in, and we're able to have Christ as our Messiah. Somebody said, well, thank God for hard hearts. No. <laughs> that, that, that's not, somebody, everybody wants to grab a hold of a reason to have a hard heart. No, that's, that's not that's not what you take away from this story. What did you get out of the message this past weekend? Good to have a hard heart? Allows other people in the story? No. That's, that's, that's not from the word of God. That's Satan. All right. Here's the rest of the story. Matthew 21, 33 says, hear another parable. This is Jesus talking now. There was a certain landowner. Remember, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We see that in scripture. It all belongs to the Lord. Who planted a landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. He dug a wine press in it, this is a familiar story, and built a tower. And he, and he leased it to vine dressers. Now, these were the leaders of the day, the leaders of his, his congregation, the leaders of his church, the vine dressers. He leased it to them. He delegated authority. He delegated responsibility to the leaders and went into a far country. So in other words, so, I'm sorry, verse 34. Now, when the vintage, when vintage time drew, drew near, he sent his servants. Now, these are the prophets that were sent. Isaiah was a prophet, but even more, Malachi, Hosea. He sent prophets, Jonah. Jonah was on his way to be sent, but he's like, mm, 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 mm. No, I ain't doing it. He sent prophets to the people, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, to continually call them out to repent. Change your heart, soften your heart. Listen, come return back to God, return back to the ways of God. Continually, he was sending prophets. He was sending his servants, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they may receive its fruit. Verse 35, and the vine dressers took his servants, beat one. Now you know it's a prophet because that did take place. Beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, verse 36, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. And you need to hear the impact of this moment right here that we're about to talk about. Jesus was on earth for about 33 years. His ministry is about 33 and a half years. In this moment, he's going into the last week of his life, and he's sitting here telling a parable about himself. A parable is a story that comes alongside to provide a truth. Verse 37 says, then last of all, he sent his son to them saying, oh, they'll respect my son. Here's that story in Luke. I'm not going to read it all, just the end. Verse 20, it's chapter 20, verse 13. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I'll send my son 
whom I love. Remember Isaiah, the beloved, my beloved. I'll send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. Mark 12, verse 6, he had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all saying, they'll respect my son. Jesus is saying this and he's talking about himself, the beloved son. Matthew 21, finishing the rest of the story, verse 38 says, but when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this, this is the heir, this is the heir. Come, let, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Listen, he was coming to address their hearts and helping them to realign with God, and they didn't like it. The prophets were coming to realign their hearts with the ways of God, and they didn't like it, so they killed him. He's prophesying that God the Father is going to send, the owner of the vineyard is going to send his son, the son of the vineyard, the heir of the throne of the vineyard, the inheritor, the benefactor, and I'm going to send him because he'll respect him as my voice. And they killed him because they were killed them. They killed him because he was trying to get them to realign with God. Y'all see it? And by the way, it says they took him out of the vineyard. This is exactly what they did to Jesus. They took him out of the city and they hung him on a cross. In fact, prophetically, they had to. Because in the Old Testament days, whenever they would sacrifice, they would sacrifice a spotless lamb and they would lay the hands of the priest on the scapegoat, a, different, a second lamb, a second goat, a scapegoat. They would put the sins of the people on the scapegoat and they would walk the scapegoat out of the city. It's amazing. Verse 40, therefore the owner of the vineyard comes. What will he do to those vine dressers? Here's, here, here he's saying, what will the father do to those who do not accept Jesus? And let, summer's over. Let's stop playing games. There are many here that believe in Jesus but you haven't become a follower of Jesus. When I come become a follower of Jesus, I accept everything that Jesus says, I accept everything that Jesus has. Jesus is the root and he is the fruit. And Jesus said in his word, we read it a few weeks ago, that he has a gift for you and that gift is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which Jesus does himself. Believing, I said, okay, I'm okay with that, but not all of that. Following is, I'll receive, I'll accept, because I'm a follower of Christ. And he says, hey, this is not only a promise, but it's a gift. I love me some gifts. But many of us are over here in the believing section saying, mm, I'm good with all the other, but you can keep your gift, Jesus. And we're wondering why we're continually dealing with bad roots in our lives and disruptive fruits and brokenness and destruction and trying times and toxic thinking and cycles and frustrations and conflict around us in every avenue of life 
finances up and down or just down, relationships are broken, bad relationships a bad relationship. We're blaming the other person, but in reality, we have a root in our lives and we're unwilling to yield and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ himself so that we can bear up with long serve for suffering because we can't do this life like Christ did without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we can bear good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, so that the world, our spouses, our kids, the community around us, where all the brokenness once was, and maybe it still is right now, but it doesn't have to be. Instead, there can be the fruit of the Spirit exhibited to watch God do an internal work and an external work that you couldn't do. It only can be done supernaturally. I've painted such a picture. How would you want to stay in the believing corner? That's what you're going to get at the Freedom Conference, by the way. Let me, let me show you a little more. Let me give you a quick testimony. Y'all kept me running late being so quiet. You see some amens and hallelujahs, and I'll speed this thing up. There you go. Too late. Too late. Man, it's been a, this week was like a month and three days, a month and a week. It was just boom, 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 high hitting nonstop. It was 14, 16 hour days and nonstop. And I wake up thinking like I told y'all I'm thinking, and I go to bed thinking like that. Man, I got to go play golf with some friends, and man, it's been a long time. That's kind of how I, I relieve some stress. Let me just knock the heck out of this ball, and <laughs> you know. So we go up, we show up. We're, we're a little bit late, and that's not proper etiquette, you know, on the golf course. And there's some, it's a new course. I've never played it. And there's some grumpy old men there that are waiting. They're in their carts, and we get there. They're supposed to tee off at 9. We're like, we're teeing off at 9. The pro shop's calling out, hey, we got a group coming through. They're late. And they're cussing grumbling and we're trying to be kind and they're like still firing off back and inside of me I'm like the nature the natural man is like I'm gonna go show these old men what a young man can do not today and then my first thought and I said it out loud not today Satan you know to a friend and I'm having this split these split second thoughts and moments that are keeping me from acting upon nature and walking in the fruit of the Spirit and exhibiting bearing fruit so that the world can taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm sitting there remembering my God, my dad, I used to get dropped off as a babysitter at the golf course in my teenage years. Can't do anything wrong out there. We'll be back later. It was great though. I learned how to play golf. I remember watching my dad playing golf and he would, he would play with some, some men that were rough and don't let anybody get in front of them and slow them down. You know what I mean? I'd hear it, I'd see it, I'd, I know his short temper, his anger. And I thought about that in that moment. Because remember, there's a lineage at play. Jesus is the root and he is the fruit. There's things in your family line that are causing you to live and act and behave and respond a, cer- a certain way. It's, it's, you see it, you've caught it, it's been taught, but it's also in your natural DNA. It's a stronghold. We'll talk about that Friday and Saturday. And so at the same time, it's split, same split second. This is all happening while I'm just warming up and getting ready to, 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 to tee off. And then I think about my dad this time that some other young guys, some guys popped off at me and my stepbrothers and my dad stepped in and he wore them out. And I equated that with God the Father who I've learned to now, my, my, my father is God the Father. Thank God for my dad, my earthly dad. Man, he showed me so much. But my dad, God the Father, 
He steps in and protects me. He steps in for me. He steps in to help me to not be me. And y'all know. And so I just go up and the other guys tee off. And I smash it. Like I, I, I killed it. I stroked that. And they're probably like, dang. Never mind. Shut them up for just a minute. They're still riding our tail, riding our tail. And, and, and no kidding. Like, like it got me. I, I, I had a bad shot one time. Like they're in my head. Shake it off. That was the one time. I played it through, man, we, we, we played, I think we got ahead of them and we're playing strong and like the last, the whole, the last two holes, 17 and 18, there's 18 holes in the in golf. I'm, I par the, par 17 and, and I birdie 18 and like the crowd goes wild. We're on the 18th hole just, woo! And as soon as we get in our carts, the bottom falls out and it starts to rain and I'm like, we got ours, we got ours in. I don't know about them. <laughs> My God stepped in. But I sure would, it sure is safer staying on the side of, I'm just gonna bear fruit. Let Jesus produce some fruit. Cause it ended up a good day, but it could have been a bad day. Y'all know what I'm saying? Which root was I gonna foster in the moment? And how was I gonna distribute, display my life to the world in that moment? And many, many people excuse their anger, their short temper. Well, I was just born that way. Well, I, I grew up watching my dad and I, I got it. Like I, I, was, I would bottle stuff up until finally I would just spew while looking for something, spew. Or I had a really quick tongue and man, I could, I could word, word whip somebody and they start crying. I keep on because of the brokenness and the hurts that were in my heart and in my soul. And very easily, I could have done that on the golf course that day. But I've been born again. Oh, I was born angry and short-tempered. Well, it's time to get born again. It's time to get out of the believer's corner and over here in the follower's corner. And the followers, I'm what. Holy Spirit, whatever you got. Jesus, I will receive that gift. I need it. I need it because I can't keep doing it that way. Those roots. He is the root. I can look at my life, and if it's not looking like the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying perfection because that puts us under the law, but it means I'm going to go back and I'm going to focus on the Holy One, the root, the one who can actually produce the fruit in my life. And Lord, Help me stay under trial, under struggle. Everything that I commit to, don't let me be flighty. Don't let me abandon posts. Don't let me run when it gets a little bit difficult. I know you're taking me to new places because that's your promise all through your word. And it may be that I run every time it gets hard. And that's why I'm in this cycle. And that's why I'm continually in the dumps. And that's why I continually blame everybody for all of my problems. I'm looking for somebody else to be the excuse for me to quit this time. Lord, don't let me do it. Let me just pray for you. And I just want to right now ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Again, if you continually struggle in any area of your life, your relationships, your finances, conflict, feels like there's a battle all around. If you leave behind a a trail of broken relationships. It can't all be them. 
that's not God's will. You're going from job to job or place to place. You have cycles of ups and downs or just downs. That's not God's will for your life. The Holy Spirit has a solution for you and I promise you he will sit down with you this Friday and Saturday and he will help examine and produce and pull out that fruit, that that root that is not producing, is not healthy for you. He will begin to give you practices. And by the way, when I was telling you about my experience on the tee box with these men and my thoughts about my father and then my earthly father, my heavenly father, I learned that in Freedom Conference. The principles, this was split second happening so that I don't act like me. <laughs> Freedom, these are tools, principles. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you strengthen and nourish the ground. That you continually bring the rains, of the rivers of living water to help identify the good roots to be nourished in the lives and the souls of every individual here. And Holy Spirit, I, help that you, I ask that you help to identify those damaged roots that need to be pulled because there can be good fruit in every area of our lives. Can I get a good amen? Amen.